0: century. You're listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you worldwide from Megaware Guard Studios.
1: Aaron, I think May 15th is the COVID tax day. Is it May 15th or June 15th?
2: Uh, I think it's May 16th may 17th
1: actually so you better have your covid taxes completed because the extensions are done (laughs) that's right that's right welcome to the may 15th we'll just call it Tax Day episode of Bass Edge Radio. Great to be back on the mic with you, Aaron.
2: It is great to be back. And Kurt, MegaWare Keel Guard, proudly supporting Bass Edge Radio from day one. Make sure for all of those people in Bass Edge Nation who've heard us say this many times, be sure to log on to keelguard.com. The first do it yourself keel protector, the flex step, the battery guards, uh, pontoon guard, anything that a personal watercraft or your boat needs. Megaware has a solution for a problem that probably most of us have faced. So again, be sure to log on to keelguard.com.
1: Guys, 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 it is that time of year that there's a lot of tactics in play right now. Aaron, up north, you still got the spawn going on, you know, down south, you got post spawn. A lot of fish still shallow, though, this time of year. And that excites me, Aaron. I got to just tell everybody what my favorite lure has been over the last couple weeks and pretty. Probably will be through the early part of June. Man, there is nothing like a frog bite. I just love getting a frog bite. I can skip it underneath willow trees. I can throw it up in the willow grass. You're really starting to get some of that vegetation growth coming along too. So you go start to see some matted vegetation out there like milfoil starting to mat up a little. You know, especially just like on river systems, you know that grass seems to grow a lot quicker earlier so, so are in the you year. Throwing a hollow body or a swimming frog, or, or what's kind of your thoughts there? Man, my thoughts are if I can get a bit on the hollow body. That's the most fun. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that is the most fun. I like also, uh, Bill mentioned it last episode, I like the Optima Bates frog. It's a great frog. but and, and there's a lot of good frogs out there on the market that often a little bit bigger profile. But the whole key with it, Aaron, is the explosion. The strike. You get a great strike with the moving frogs, too. You know, the buzz frogs. You yeah, know, but you it,
2: don't get that like uh, where the mat like bulges up, right? You can, you yes. can see it starts, it starts yeah. shaking and then all of a sudden it's just like somebody threw a Volkswagen in the water.
1: (laughs) It's too much fun, bro. Way too much fun. So that's my favorite technique to, you know, if I want to go out and just have fun, I could just throw it all day for like, you know, six or eight bites. It's just fun. I just love it. Just love the frog bite this time of year, and it's so many different tactics that, or techniques, or seasonal behavior patterns, I guess I should say, that it cross references. Not necessarily shad spawn a whole lot, but man, I can skip it up back underneath the backside of docks. I can throw it, like I talked about earlier, around you know vegetation, any kind of vegetation, but also throwing it under underhanging trees later in the day. Those bass want to seek that shade that are still up shallow. So, a lot of great ways to fish a frog. Aaron, what's your favorite technique this time of year? Well,
2: since you kind of uh, covered the top water, certainly top water, and I, I and I concur, your uh, frog is certainly one of my favorites. Top water in general is just absolutely you know, fantastic because of the visual aspect. Um, you know, Kurt, but I've got to, have got to tell you right now, square bill is kind of where it's at for me, a, like a 2.5. And reason being is because a, I can cover so much water. Additionally, a lot of fish, you know, kind of this middle of May, at least in the part of the country that I'm in, you've got, you know, the shad spawn. you know, maybe perhaps coming to an end, the brim, but just a lot of, I believe strikes that you can draw because they're keying in on kind of that bait fish style. Right. And I can change, change colors to mimic the bluegill i can keep it more shad based but i like throwing that just kind of you know against any woods any rocks making it kind of deflect and bounce off and try to get that
1: reaction strike but that's my go-to bait kurt yeah yeah i think your tip there on the deflection is super key and uh, that can create so many strikes you know a lot of times people get shy about throwing into or close to and all around the cover and um You know, sometimes they get a little frustrated from getting hung up, and that's part of bass fishing. I I just got to say this real quick because your tip there on the deflection is so important, and you will not deflect it if you're throwing a foot or two away from a piece of cover because you're trying. (laughs) That's exactly right because you're trying not to hang up your bait or whatever. So uh, awesome tip right there. Two great tactics to use this time of year. Um, We've got a protecttheharvest.com tackle tip. we move into the next segment of the show so y'all stay tuned listen up here's another tackle tip we'll be right back with seg b of bass edge radio may 15th 2021 in this episode's protecttheharvest.com tackle tip got mlf big five pro circuit angler cole floyd
3: I it going? Yeah, I'm going to give a little tip on some summertime flipping. One of my favorite things to do is flipping all year. And uh, I don't care if it's summertime, wintertime, springtime. It's just, it works everywhere around the world. And, you know, living in Kentucky Lake for five years, and you got them summer dog days, you know, it'll be June, July, heck, even August, you know. It gets better as it gets hotter, honestly. But one little tip I like to use, which I used the last couple of years on Kentucky Lake, was flipping main lake, willow trees and bushes in the summertime there's just something about in the summertime you know you got them fish offshore and it works everywhere on the Tennessee River and even on you know other lakes you know them fish get heavily pressured you know getting that time you know everyone gets out there and starts grafting them and, and that's one of my things I like to go up shallow I like to throw a top water I like to swim a you know a rage bug around on a on a wobblehead sometimes just swimming around you know uh, willow trees and throw a frog around them early summer you got some late spawners you know the fry garters and stuff like that but that's one of my you know things i like to do is get up there full parade bug around you know the you know bushes sometimes you get a spawner i like to flip everywhere around the world so it works year round
1: sounds great cole awesome tip we're gonna flip them up brought to you by protecttheharvest.com
0: nitro performance bass boats get pro level performance with the nitro z18 the official boat of major league fishing The z18 with its nimble handling and versatility sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line like a guardian live well a heavily insulated cooler dual eight foot rod storage and our smooth and fast nvt hull every nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well catch fish Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines.
1: Aaron, I get a kick out of our friend Jay Kumar, you know, the Bass Blaster. If you're not a part of the Bass Blaster email thread, you need to get on it. Just simply send an email to Jay Kumar. It's Bass Blaster at BassGold.com. Fire Jay over an email. Tell him you want to get the newsletter. Comes out a few times a week. And, and the coolest thing is earlier this month, he, he brought back the derps. Right. <laughs> oh yes. I love the derps, man. Kumar has really made this into a uh, a cult deal to an extent, and and I love it. So he brought it back the first derps of the year, and I just love watching it. And so many like crazy little tidbits, man. He's got this deal on here again. This was earlier in May, but he's got this deal that he talks about a glide bait that's for sale on Tackle Warehouse for a little over a thousand bucks. And it's a forty-three ounce glide bait. It's made out of like I don't know leather. There's leather in it. He talks <laughs> about how when it absorbs leather, it sinks better or something. I mean, dude, and he's got a lot of legit info with links to you know just industry news, industry knowledge. But it's a fun newsletter if you're a yeah, bastard. it's,
2: it's it, you know I, I think the thing I most appreciated about it, Kurt, is right. Just even after us doing three hundred now fifty-two episodes, right as of today, you begin to wonder. It's like okay, how much can you really cover on bass fishing but Jay has this way of creating this entertainment piece to making it kind of you know artistic on how he writes to also you know delivers the goods with the latest tackle information and techniques so anyway I always enjoy Jay's stuff
1: yeah uh, me too love it make sure y'all check it out the bass blaster and you can simply send an email to Jay Kumar bass blaster at bass be a part of the gang it's a fun gang to hang with
2: yeah speaking of checking out Kurt you know one of the things I uh, to to just briefly mention because as I know you get the reports just like I do but Bass Edge website has been heating up quite well I mean obviously the Lucas Oil that's been free shipping forever but then you know with the Bass Edge apparel that stuff uh, I'm kind of thinking reorders on the horizon so if you don't have the Bass Edge apparel be sure to check out the different t-shirt lineups and also the hats and then Kurt the uh, Pure Clean Descaler it's that time of year where the the heat is kind of picking up you pull your boat out of the water and certainly the hard water at least in the area that I'm at and that you're at uh, but what a great product to uh, keep those black motors and power poles and your boats, uh, that hard water from really just kind of caking up on there and giving it that dull look. So, And there's also a lot of household projects that I've actually found for that as well. So two things just like to point out to remind
1: Bass Edge listeners that those are on the website. And if you haven't checked them out, please do so. Yeah, they're all getting great reviews. I've been wearing the Bass Edge radio hat a lot. You know, I want to mention to everybody, it's a Richardson 112 hat, high quality piece of uh, apparel that we've got right here. It's Super comfy. If you're a hat connoisseur, you know the Richardson 112 is a deal, so uh, be sure you check that out. The other thing, which we haven't talked about in in a few episodes, Aaron, is Jay McNamara's Psychology of Exceptional Fishing. Also available on the website, getting great reviews. This is the revised revised. I was gonna say that's the revised edition, right? It is the revised edition. So uh maybe you've got some extra time. It's a great book to purchase and put on the back of the commode. And you know, take your time when it comes time and get to be a better angler when you have a spare moment. Just read through the book. It's a great book. So uh it's definitely one for the coffee table or in my case, the back of the commode. So uh be sure to check that out and a lot of great stuff on the website, Aaron. You, there you're is, doing a great job. You're kicking butt there. With well, the, there, uh, there's
2: no me. It's 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 Travis, <laughs> Jackie, and, and all the rest of the crew uh, that does it's that. A, but it's I a great s-
1: team. Certainly yeah, appreciate
2: bet. them. And, you know, I'm excited about this episode, Kurt, because when you were talking to me and, and kind of running some thoughts on what we might do for the May 15th episode, we're kind of in that, right, that, that time of year where some are still in spawn, some are post-spawn, right? And so kind of that funk. But one of the things that I am not as proficient on and cannot wait because I really feel like you are dealing a master's class uh, perhaps with regards to bladed jigs.
1: Yeah, we've got the man in the house. You've heard of the jackhammer before, and uh, we're going to get all the details. Man, vibrating jig, it is a big fish bait. There's no question about it. More times in the spring, I see social media posts. I caught this on a vibrating jig. I got this big fish on a vibrating jig. And we're going to learn more about other times of year to throw it more about the possibilities trailers all kinds of great information y'all stay tuned we're gonna have an mlf bbt pro jackhammer signature bait guru brett height in the house y'all stay tuned it's gonna be a great lucas oil angler spotlight This is FLW Tour Pro
3: Brian Lapmer. This is Bass Pro Tour Angler Ot Defoe. Hey, everybody. This is Pro Angler Kevin Short. This is BASS Elite Series Professional Kelly J. I'm FLW Tour Angler Scott Ashmore. This is Professional Bass Angler Brad Hallman. And you're listening to Bass Edge
0: Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. Keel KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for Megaware Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, FlexStep Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Megaware Keel Guard.
1: Jacked up about this episode's interview. So much looking forward to hearing from this MLF Bass Pro Tour angler. One of the best to ever come out of the state of Arizona. And there is a ton of great anglers from that state. He's been on the FLW Tour, Bass Elite Series. And as I mentioned before, now fishing the MLF Bass Pro Tour. A huge Bass Edge welcome to Professional angler. Brett Height. Brett, thanks so much for taking time to be with us on Bass Edge Radio.
4: Hey, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, you guys do a great job, and uh, I'm sure we're going to dig into some good stuff.
2: Absolutely, Brett. You know, uh, again, just want to echo what Kurt said. Very pleased to have you with us. And uh, as Kurt mentioned, you know, just welcome to Bass Edge Radio. And and, and I've been really excited since Kurt told me that you were coming on for two reasons. One is uh, having you as a guest. Secondly, just the topic that we're going to talk about, because, you know, in the area of kind of the bladed jig category, that's, uh, it's all about me. I'm going to be selfish right now because I'm not as proficient with that as what I should be. So I cannot wait to kind of dive into your signature bait, the jackhammer. And many of us are, aware of you know how effective you were and are with a chatterbait early in your career. How did the partnership with Evergreen and Marizo Shimizu come about with Z-Man and developing the Jackhammer?
4: Well, I've been sponsored by uh, Evergreen prior to... To developing the jackhammer marizo has been a good friend of mine since about 2002 when he first came over and started fishing what would be the bass opens now and then we obviously went along and fished the top 150s and then obviously the leaks together so um just with my sponsorship with evergreen and that's his major sponsorship you know we were at a point where nobody in the united states was making the right style bladed jig you know there was flaws in it and then there was you know patent issues so that we couldn't really make the right one and sell it so marizo and i just came up with the idea that we were just going to have evergreen make it we were going to design it the way we wanted with the right hook and everything and then pretty much sell it only in japan well at Winya Bay at a Bass Elite event, I think that was in 2017 or somewhere around there. Don't hold me to the date, but I had a bunch of prototypes of this bait and ended up finishing second place. Brett Myers won the tournament. Well, uh, on my way to another event, I believe at Bull Shoals at, uh, Lake, I was uh, I got a call from Daniel at Z-Man, and he's like, "Hey man, good job." I had to talk to you about this new you know, this jackhammer you're talking about. You really can't promote a bait in the United States that goes against the patent. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, but he's like, hey, what? <laughs> <right. laughs> uh, you know, he's like, it's no big deal. I'm just wanting to forewarn you, you know. And, and then we had tried to make a relationship prior and it just didn't really work out. They wanted me look at a bait to put my signature on it. And I, I was just like, no, I'm going to, if I'm going to put my signature on something, I'm going to, you know, make it from the ground up. It's going to be the Brent um, Height. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Something like, like I actually designed, you know, instead of just saying, hey, do you want to put your name? on this no that's not how so long story short um daniel and i we kind of came to discussion he's like hey how about if we sell the jackhammer and i'm like now we're talking (laughs) i got that relationship hooked up with evergreen and z-man and it has been just spectacular i mean evergreen's an awesome company and so is all the people at z-man and it's just worked out really really well
1: love to kind of dive a little bit more into the business side of this aspect. So when you're looking at everything, you know, as you mentioned, you got patent issues, you got two companies basically working together, one a Japanese company, one a U.S. company. And then really it comes to, let's face it, okay, here's the price point on what Brett and Marizu want to put together to make this better than best vibrating gig, right? And they tell you, Hey Brett, love the bait. Looks great. When you put all of this business aspect together, we're looking at a you know MSRP or a map pricing of fifteen to eighteen bucks, and you yep. can go out buy a chatterbait at that time for $450, four fifty, five fifty. Ballpark yep. is the price range. Yep. What goes through your head? Your discussions. What are you thinking about? Like, holy cow, do I have a seventeen dollar bait? Right here. Can I make this work? Whether it works or not, you still got the bait you want, right? You've got everybody on board. You're actually making a a vibrating jig that Brett Height wants to use. Brett Height loves to use. Brett Height's going to crush the fish on it when he uses it, you know. But from a business side of it, are you freaked out a little bit?
4: Yeah, you know, Z-Man, it, what was funny in the in the beginning discussions and even my prior discussions um, before making the relationship with uh, Evergreen and Z-Man, you know, and I guess, I don't know, let's see here. 2014, we talked about it, and that's when it just didn't work out with them. And I kept on telling them they needed a high-end Chatterbait. Right. And they're like, we came out with the Chatterbait Elite. It's like 7.99. We just don't think we can sell them for that. I'm like, dude. If it's the right one, it doesn't matter. People buy $25 Megabass jerk baits like they're I going think. out of stock. It, it does not matter, but we really wanted to try to get the price around that $12.99, but, you know, there's a lot of hands in the fire, and, yeah. um, you know, we set that price at $15.99, the three-quarter and the ounce and a quarter at that $17.99, but, uh, you know, I get it all the time, and people are like, dude, your bait's like $20. I'm like, actually, that's the tackle shop doing that. The MSRP yeah. is $15.99, so... Don't blame me, you know. I, so you <laughs> right. can go up and find them for fifteen ninety nine. But yeah, I knew after using the bait, you know, I probably had a year and a half, two years of development on this bait, okay. just making sure it's absolutely perfect. And I knew um, all all it was going to take is for guys to get it in their hand, and it was going to sell. You know, there for a long time, the West Coast was kind of like the high-end bait market, and now it's just, it's everywhere. You know, people are buying $200 swim baits like they're going out of style. It does not matter if it catches fish. They're going to buy it.
1: Yeah, completely agreed. Uh, and the reason I bring that up is because from a business aspect, it's interesting for fans and bass fishing people of all shapes, sizes, forms, and interest levels to understand all the different things that, that happen behind the scenes when a bait is introduced, like the jackhammer. And when you have an exceptional bait, like you provided the public in this scenario, because a lot of these baits, man, these are garage baits. What I mean by that is, Brett's probably got some other baits in his garage right now that are awesome lures but they're not available to the general public. This particular bait, he knew he could make awesome and decided to bring it to the general public, which quite honestly, Brett, is letting the cat out of the bag in a lot of scenarios,
4: right? Yeah, it has. It's a double-edged sword, you know. I mean, it it was obviously really good for me and my branding. Um, it really helped Evergreen kind of get on the map. I mean, they've been making phenomenal baits in Japan, and, um, you know, it really kind of launched them in the U.S. market, and obviously it's really helped Z-Man out a lot too, so the benefits outweigh the the non-benefits. You know what I mean. I was going to be using it no matter what, so the cat was going to get it out of the bag just because so much spotlight's on when I have a bladed jig in my hand.
1: You bet. I, I remember when when it first came out, people were like, "Man, you know, sixteen bucks, seventeen bucks," and then everybody's got like fifty of them. I mean, you go in my <laughs> boat right now, I, I literally got like you know eight or ten three-quarter <laughs> ounce, like five or six one ounce, you know. Uh, 20 half ounce, 23 ace ounce and, you know, all the different colors. I mean, dude, if you're out there running around and you're a vibrating jig angler and, and that's something that you enjoy to throw and understand, the big fish really attraction to that style of lure, dude, it is the one. So uh thanks for bringing it to us, man. I love it.
4: Yeah. No, thanks for buying them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet.
4: It's been kind of happy median about, you know, just trying to get enough um, you know, it was funny, you know, they bought in, let's say 150,000 pieces and um, <laughs> they were the first order and it's like they were gone like in the first like two weeks and they're like, uh, <laughs> we need to reorder and you know how stuff overseas it's not like, oh, hey, you know, it's, you know, you got to order like six months in advance. So, um it's been kind of a struggle, and then obviously, you know, guys like Ott wins the Classic on it, and you got Edwin wins the Red Crest on it. I mean, it's just been kind of, I mean, there's just been millions of dollars won on that bait. but, you know, we just developed what our new Stealth Blade that I worked Pretty much tirelessly on it for the last year and a half. We're going to get into the
1: Stealth Blade for sure, no doubt. Before we leave this price point deal, which I I think is just as an industry guy really interested in, talk to the listeners about the technical differences. You know, you talked about Z-Man having an elite style bait. That was a $7, $8 lure. We've got this one that, you know, the jackhammer. Uh, which is Z Man Evergreen cross promotion with you and Marizo. That's, you know, 15, 16 bucks. What are the differences and what makes up that cost difference in, in the special components that you've added to the lure to make it so great?
4: Yeah, so um, first off, the head design's a little different. Um, it's not tungsten. A lot of people think it's tungsten, but it is not tungsten. It's a lead bait. One of the biggest Things that I really was adamant about is having a stainless steel blade instead of a tin blade. Uh, original chatterbaits just use kind of a tin blade. So the stainless is a lot more rigid. It vibrates better. Um, we're using a decoy double locking snap on there instead of just like a single lock Jensen clip. A hand tied skirt that takes a lot of time to do them right. And then a gamagatsu hook. They make a medium, a heavy, and a Extra heavy, uh, flipping hook. So that, I think that's like the mid grade level of the flipping hook. So it, it's a, it's kind of like a wide gap O'Shaughnessy bin, uh, hook in that, uh, which I mean, it's just awesome for chatterbait fishing. I, I mean, I like that hook and pretty much any bait it has a double, double keeper on it. And, you know, we were really the first ones who I was like, you know, you used to buy a green pumpkin chatterbait and it had a silver blade on it. I'm like, well, I've never seen a bluegill with a big shiny <laughs> silver head. I'm like, so, you know, we spent a lot of time finding, you know, it's hard to paint stainless and make it stay. So we match all our blades to the color of the bait. So if you have a green pumpkin jackhammer, you're going to have a green pumpkin blade on there. So it all matches, you know, it's just a quality piece. And, you know, I mean, it catches fish, so it's kind of a double whammy. You know, if if you can have a good quality lure and it catches fish, everybody wins. Yeah, good
2: stuff. Brett, I would like to dive into the behavioral patterns and cover where you feel like it's most effective. Obviously, you know, like Kurt had mentioned, we see the lure used a tremendous amount in the bass uh, pre-spawn cycle. Obviously, it's effective, but I would like to pick your brain a little bit on what other times of year and types of cover can it be found to kind of be at the top of your uh, go-to baits and preferred use? Yeah, and that's
4: a good question. So I'll give you a little history. So when I first picked up a chatterbait was in uh, 2000, 2007 and then in 2008 i won back-to-back flw tour events one on the west coast at the cal delta and then one at uh, lake toho so i really thought that it was pretty much aquatic vegetation bait you know it's just i was like okay that's what it is you know fishing grass lily pads stuff like that and (laughs) soon to find out i catch them pretty much everywhere that you would throw a spinnerbait too you know like I go to a place like Lake Mead where it's just rock and stuff and throw the chatterbait and catch the heck out of them. So it's super super versatile whether it's clear water, stained water, muddy, pretty much any condition if those fish are up in that water column um where you can attract them with that thing, you can catch them on it. So I tell a lot of people who have never used a chatterbait that come up to me, I tell them, you know, are you guys used to throwing a spinnerbait and they say yes. So I say I, I explained to him, just throw it like you would a spinnerbait, you know, um and I get a lot of feedback on folks being successful by doing that.
1: Yeah, I've also had uh, people ask me, you know, especially guiding down at Lake Amistad, they, they might mention, you know, well, I've never caught a fish on a vibrating jig. And I'm like, well, you just haven't thrown it long enough. <laughs> that, that's all that's all that's happened. So let's talk about the different sizes. You talk about the fish kind of being up in the water column a little bit. You know, there's a very uh, amount of jackhammer sizes we've recently Started to see, I think over the last like two or three years, more people using some of the larger size, you know, like the three quarter ounce, specifically down in Florida, getting through the hydrilla patches and actually getting – and running it across those hard spots, shell beds, those types of things. Can you kind of go through the sizes that are available and what conditions or scenarios you might like to throw a specific size in a specific situation?
4: Sure. So uh, we'll start out with the 3-8 ounce. For me, the 3-8 ounce is like when I go to Florida, I go to the Potomac River, you know, fishing really is pretty much super shallow grass. You know, any type of a natural lake where, you know, it's skipping under docks that are real shallow, stuff like that is really when the three-eighths ounce kind of shines. Um, you know, going to the Cal Delta, something like that, where on the low tide, you just, you know, you got to get that bait up in the water column. And you get some pretty aggressive bites where you actually, you know, you almost, they almost swirl on it. And then we we go to the half ounce, and I'll tell the listeners, you know, I mean, The half ounce is what I throw most often. That's like what I tie on to just go fishing pretty much anywhere. You know, it's just a good all around, and then you can kind of tweak it from there. Whether the fish are up a little bit more, then I'll go to three-eighths, or they're down a little deeper, then I will go lead that into a three-quarter ounce. Now, a place like, let's say, Table Rock, you know, Aaron, you you were talking about going fishing there, or Amistad, Kurt. I would throw a three-quarter ounce a lot just going down the bank. It just allows you to get in that depth range, you know, cast it out, maybe let it go to the bottom and 10, 12 feet and just start winding it back. And you're pretty much getting that bait in a completely different zone that not a lot of fish are seeing uh, a chatterbait. Between Table Rock and Amistad, is fish is very similar to a lot of my Arizona lakes. Um, I fish a three quarter, a ton. So Brett,
2: would it be fair to say that you could kind of throw it maybe where you'd be chucking around a football jig and, and just kind of, uh, you know, throw it on the bottom and keeping it down lower, but maybe, you know, in some of those same areas.
4: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely throw it where you throw a football jig. You know, you can kind of pump it like you would a football jig kind of swimming it or or stroking a jig. Um, I really like kind of pulling it to the side at an upward swing instead of pulling it, you know, straight up. Yeah. Um, the, spy, the side sweeping kind of upward motion, the biggest thing for me is on the hook set on, the, on a chatterbait, a side sweeping motion is a way better than an upward worm style hook set. So if you can side sweep a little bit, and then you, when the fish actually gets the bait, you're in position to do more of that side sweeping hook set. So th- leading into that, we came out with an ounce and a quarter which is our biggest uh, jackhammer on the market. And, you know, it really, really works good. I mean, I, I've caught a lot of big ones. You know, let's say you have a flat that's 15 to 20 foot deep, cast it out there and you can literally let it go to the bottom and kind of do that side sweep um, upwards motion. And just, you know, you feel it tick or thump, bump, 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 and then let it go back to the bottom, pull it till it thumps let it go back to the bottom pull it till it thumps or you can wind it real real slow too so it's just such a versatile bait um you know you've seen kurt you know on the tennessee river a lot of guys use a heavy plated jig um you know with like a swim bait style trailer yeah here's a little trick if the listeners if you want to get your bait down a little bit more um, take the skirt off, you know, skirt kind of lifts the bait up. So that's why you see a bunch of guys on the Tennessee River, you know, they put that swim bait trailer on there without uh, without a skirt. It's just less resistance and it, it just keeps that bait down a little bit. Yeah,
1: I've also found, and I'm sure you do too, Brett, But and maybe you can expand on this a little bit, but how you place the trailer on the bait also affects its depth range. Whether, you know, let's say you've got like a boot style swim bait, you know, it might keep the bait up a mm-hmm. A little bit, and if you use something with, uh, I'm thinking like of a uh, Striking Rage Menace, or, or I know you like uh, that Yamamoto lure that kind of you can...
4: You the Daco, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly, where it just doesn't have the lift, so it just keeps the bait down if you need to in the strike zone. How important does the trailer play in the action of the lure?
4: Yeah, it's huge, and the biggest thing is people, when they're putting a trailer on a chatterbait, you have to think of that chatterbait as like a crankbait, okay? So you need to thread that thing on in center of the bait as you can because if you don't get the trailer centered on the jackhammer or any style of chatterbait it's not going to run as true as it should you know it would be like a crankbait being out of balance so that being said when I design the zako for Yamamoto, you know, it just kind of has a forked tail. That's really kind of the style that I like most of the time, just because the bait itself has so much action. I want something subtle behind it, and like you said, if you put like some kind of kicking craw or something like that on the on the back of it, it really raises that bait up in the water column. Right. And you know, I, I have we make a, a paddle tail zako which. Sometimes they want that heavier kicking motion, but still, it seems like those crawl style baits, you know, kicking crawl really brings that bait up in the in the water column. I want to keep it down, and I, I like that swim bait style profile um, like the Yamamoto Zako.
1: Very cool. Man, this has been a great tutorial. Guys, let's power pole down for a quick break. We're going to be right back with more with MLF BBT Pro Brett Height. Patented in
0: 2000 perfected over years of testing and real world punishment. The PowerPole is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to eight feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you.
2: Bass Edge Radio is presented in part by ProtectTheHarvest.com as we return with MLF Bass Pro Tour Angler Brett Height and the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works.
1: Uh, Brett, in that last segment, uh, you started to get into this new stealth jackhammer. I kind of was like, well, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. So here we are. <laughs> we're going to talk about the stealth jackhammer. You know, we haven't yet quite seen it come alive in the mainstream tournament circuits as of yet or at least no one's talking about it. You know how that works sometimes. Um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've actually used it a few times. Again, going back to trailers, it seems like the trailer is really important to the type of action this particular lure provides because it is a very different bait than the traditional jackhammer. Help us with some info. How can we catch some more fish and What is the stealth providing anguish?
4: Yeah, so I wanted something that was more subtle. You know, it still has vibration. I think that's the biggest misconception. Somebody ties it on and they're like, oh, it doesn't vibrate like a jackhammer. Well, it's not supposed to vibrate like a jackhammer. That's why we call it the stealth blade. So for people that don't know, it has a clear blade instead of a metal blade. The blade's a little bit smaller. We got a little bit less skirt material. We have a little bit thinner hook so you can throw it on lighter line and have good hook penetration. We have a nano-coated hook on it so i just like let's say uh like a good scenario occurred is uh you fish the u.s open you know i mean Lake Mead's a deep, yeah. you know clear water reservoir some days you have high skies and no wind and they really they just don't want to eat the regular jackhammer it's just a little too aggressive for them and that's really where it shines is um you know those kind of scenarios at least i that's what i thought <laughs> until really using it over the last year and a half or so and i've found out i mean they bite it all the time um we've done some underwater audio with it and when it's being reeled it has a very similar sound to almost like a, a rattle trap it almost has that shad sound in the water so it's a bait that i mean it catches fish like crazy i caught a nine pounder on it last year and it's heavy hitters it's uh Lake Toho. So, I mean, you catch big ones on it. Um, I really like throwing it on a little bit lighter line. You know, we're working on a, a new Zocco for it. It likes just a little bit thinner trailer and with not as big a belly. Everything just a little bit more finesse. And that, I think that's the biggest key to get out to the public is just a little bit. It's a finesse chatterbait, but it's pretty bad to the bone when you uh, when you realize how much the bass like it you were saying, you know, it really hadn't hit the mainstream. Um, yes, you are right, and you are right with uh, <laughs> least Nobody's not, talking not anybody about said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. right. Because I've had some anglers call me and they're like, dude, that thing is pretty badass, you know. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, I told you. But uh, <laughs> until they get caught on
1: live, they're going
4: to keep it under their hat.
1: <laughs> so, you know, we talked about how the trailer affects the original jackhammer, I guess we'll call it. Mm-hmm. How about choices with the stealth jackhammer are you finding uh types of trailers are better or worse because i agree you know when you first throw it you don't have the same vibration so you realize quickly that okay this is going to be a it's a different lure for a different condition whether it's you know maybe high pressure or cleaner water just less fish activity Mm -hmm. where they're not just as fired up to eat a more uh, erratic type action. So, talk to us a little bit too about trailers that you've seen successful with the stealth.
4: Yeah, like I said, it, you know, it, it really. I just got some prototypes. Actually, what was funny? In there, our original Zocco design was a lot thinner, didn't have as big a belly on it as the Zocco that we're having. You know, has been so popular on the regular Jackhammer. Um, so I, I had them dig out the original mold and shoot me some and it's absolutely perfect on it. So it likes, you know, something like a fluke style bait, a small fluke style bait, something just a little thinner, not as big and bulky, you know, that uh, just doesn't drag as much water because obviously (laughs) you don't have as big a blade. So it just affects uh, how it runs but if you find the right trailer on there it hunts naturally as good or better than the original jackhammer I mean it's just so natural and you can actually just pick up the speed on the reel handle and it'll duck and dive um, really do some erratic action so um, I think that would be my biggest tip to people is you know just downsize that trailer a little bit um, you know don't don't use as big a bulky a trailer but you know something in that Small fluke, uh, original fluke or, you know, fluke style bait or even a smaller little paddle tail swim bait, you know, something that's not real big and bulky, doesn't have a big belly on it. Well,
2: Brett, in this uh, discussion concerning all things jackhammer, you know, help us build the bridge on how you like to use quite honestly, any of your chatterbaits now that it's kind of mid-May, getting into the post-spawn, early summer behavior patterns?
4: Kurt knows I'm like a green pumpkin guy, you know. That's like my go-to, the chatterbait. But this is the time of year where I usually cut the green pumpkin off and tie on the shad one. Um, You know, the shad spawn is in full effect most places in the south, um, and this is a great time of year to throw that chatterbait. One of the great things about the chatterbait is – it's one of the only reaction baits that you can skip really, really far under docks. Um, I mean I can skip that thing forty feet under a dock. It's pretty hard to skip a flat side or a square bill forty feet under a dock. So you're getting that reaction. <laughs> maybe maybe impossible, getting, getting, right? <laughs> yeah. It, absolutely impossible. Yeah. Maybe so thrifty. Maybe getting, thrifty could
1: sport the uh maybe he can talk yeah. <laughs> bill or, or Andy Montgomery, one of those guys, right?
4: <laughs> if they can't do it, nobody can. I That's can tell funny. you that. I mean, but uh so you're getting a reaction bait that has that vibration like a crankbait or something like that that up under those docks where um, the shad get to and up under those docks and there's just not really any other reaction bait that you can get in those places like you can a, a chatterbait. So this time of year I, I like to put on that shad pattern with the Zako and fish around all those marinas and docks and stuff where the shad are spawning um, and then you know I, I, I always paying attention because this is the time of year the bluegill start spawning, too. So you're still going to have to have that green pumpkin on the deck because, as Kurt, you know, like when they those bass get on those bluegill beds, those brim beds, you can really do some damage quick. Yeah, they
1: start sharking them bad boys. You're in another league now, right?
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you can get on those, those bass that are eating those, you know, that are feeding on those brim beds, they're always the right ones. It, it's not always easy to trick them, but they're the right ones so you know and then then obviously i'm going to have that three quarter or ounce and a quarter on on my rod for start fishing ledges too you know fishing offshore but i mean primarily right now you know it's going to be i mean have a like for this tournament i'm going to have a shad colored stealth blade half ounce and a shad colored original jackhammer half ounce on and then maybe some kind of three quarter ounce to start
2: yeah, good stuff. Britt, I want to uh, ping you one more question before Kurt takes us to the listener question, but, you know, just curious, what other lures and techniques do you also rely on in, in kind of the post-spawn time of year, and what types of, of cover or structure are you looking for to target, you know, better than average size bass?
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, post-spawn, it's one of my tougher spots until they kind of get out there deeper, but, you uh, you know, because so much of them, they're kind of in like no man's land. You know, there's some still garden fry. There's, um, you know, some are Roman chasing shad spawn. But, you know, for me, I mean, it's pretty tough to beat a drop shot, uh, you know, just post spawn, whether you're fishing along the bank or fishing offshore. It's just a great way. That and the Nico rig is just a great way to uh, catch fish and catch good ones on it. You know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, drop shot, whatever. <laughs> I've caught so many giant ones on the drop shot. I mean and you catch lots of fish, so it's kind of a win win.
1: No doubt. A quick question on that Nico rig. What What size weight do you find? Uh, Obviously, you know, depth range is going to play a deal with that. But let's say we're targeting some mid-depth type stuff, you know, like 8 to 12. What kind of, you know, maybe that first drop or those fish just hanging off those points in that post-spawn time frame, deeper docks, those types of things. What kind of weight do you find is effective on those Nico rigs? Now you've got so many things to choose from. Do you feel like you've got it dialed to a certain degree?
4: Yeah, um, I pretty much always start out with arc um, tungsten makes a three thirty seconds. That's a pretty good starting point. Um, you're going to be able to feel that thing down there. Probably to, I'll fish that to 20, 25 feet. You know and then i'll go to their their heaviest one you know maybe fishing some ledges with a big worm or something like that but i pretty much always start right around that 3 it's something you'll be able to feel the bottom with it's going to get down there you're not going to have to have to sit there and wait for it you know i mean for me putting on like a five inch cinco is pretty much kind of how it kind of started out on the west coast you know just using a five inch sinko but I also like to use that big M moto cuttail worm, too, something with a little bit more action. But I would tell folks that don't know what size, start with a 332nd, and you can either go lighter or heavier from there, Kirk. All
1: right, great advice. All right, gentlemen, let's jump into the listener questions segment of the show presented by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Paul Tiffany sends in this question. He's out of Minnesota. Brett, if you could help Paul with this question, he says, related to soft plastic swim baits when would you want to fish it with a skirted swim jig and when would you want to fish it bare when is with the skirted jig how thick should the skirt be so some great questions there thought I was dialed in right for your answer so let's hear what you got
4: Yeah, I mean, it is kind of a a little, little different thing, you know, trying to figure out, oh, do I, do I use a skirt? Um, do I don't use a skirt? So, um, what I would say, if you're trying to keep, get that bait down in the water column, you're going to take the skirt off like we talked about on the jackhammer, when you have that skirt material, it's going to want to lift that bait up. If you want it to get up in the water column, you're fishing grass that might be only three or four feet deep or even shallower, you're going to want to have a skirt on it. And if you want it to get up or even higher in the water column, you're going to want to have a lot of skirt material. So just think of it like that. No skirt material, the deepest going to dive. You can do medium skirt material. It's going to run, get a, up a little bit higher and then A lot of skirt materials are really going to make a lot of buoyancy in that bait.
2: Well, Brett, uh, very good advice for Paul and appreciate you assisting him with his question. Paul, we do need one more thing from you, and that is to simply log on to BassEdge.com. Click the Claim Your Prize tab, fill out the information, and we are going to get you the BassEdge gift sent directly to your doorstep.
1: And as always, a reminder to BassEdge listeners, keep fired in those questions. I mentioned this last episode, Aaron, the questions that are coming in are phenomenal. They're high like level, this, man. They are, like this one from Paul, and, and no better way to have your question answered than through one. One of our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight featured anglers like Brett Height did for Paul today. So keep firing those questions to our Facebook or Instagram media pages or simply email us to support at BassEdge.com. Aaron, I also need to mention, you can go right to the BassEdge.com website when you're downloading the podcasts. And there's a little tab there It says Ask the Pros. So just simply click on that Ask the Pros tab. It'll fire you up a little question template and uh, send it right in, man. We're going to get it on the show. Perfect.
2: Well, Brett, uh, what a fantastic interview and just really appreciate uh, you sharing your time with us and certainly your knowledge on your insights uh, concerning that. I feel like we just took a master's course in bladed jigs. So look forward to having you on the show again sometime in the future. But before we uh, shut this down, any final thoughts or, or closing comments?
4: Well, I, first of all, thank you guys for having me and let me, I I seem to know a lot about the chatterbait. Whatever I say doesn't necessarily set in stone. It's just what works for me. So I mean there's you know some people do stuff differently than I do but uh this is what's worked for me I've won over a million dollars on a bladed jig so I think I got some good credentials to I, try I, to help people catch more but just just a little tip, bit yeah the last tip that I would give them and this is the biggest mistake I think people make with chatterbait fishing is that they have a tendency to put it on a jig rod um, you need to really think about the bait more like a crankbait. So I use a heavy-action glass rod that Evergreen International makes. Uh, it's a combat series stick, but if you can't find one of those and you got a heavy-action glass rod, mine's a 7'3", somewhere around there, 7' foot to 7'3", but just think of that bait more like a crankbait than a jig. That's the biggest misconception that people make, and that will allow you to uh, catch a lot more fish on it landing-wise, and not lose them.
1: Very good info. i, I got to pop this out to you real quick. Floor carbon, braided line. Sometimes I love to use the braided line, and I feel like that hard vibration gets some bites at certain times of the year, really like pre-spawn stuff. You, are you always floor, or do you sometimes mix it up?
4: Yeah, On the what I'd call the OG <laughs> jackhammer, right. I am always 20-pound test fc sniper sunline fluorocarbon i mean all every day all day that's what i throw now on the stealth blade you can throw 20 but i've been throwing a lot of 16 and 14 fc sniper fluorocarbon i'm a fluorocarbon guy i've never had any issues um you know some guys are just braid guys which is fine i mean the jackhammer is built to withstand braid you know and braided line now, the Stealth Blade, I probably wouldn't recommend that. You know, it's got a little bit thinner hook. Um, you might be able to get with some real light braid, you know, 20 or 30 pounds, something like that. But uh, I'm a fluorocarbon guy. That, like I said, that doesn't mean that's that's the perfect thing to do, but uh, it's worked for me.
1: Awesome, man. Bray, it's great catching up here on Bass Edge Radio. Uh, we need to make some time, have a beer at our next camping spot.
4: That sounds great. You follow <laughs> uh, wherever we're going. I, you know? I, I can get a camper.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Aaron. We're going to have a party.
4: We're going to have a party. Yeah. All right, I, bro, I we'll... promise I will not bowl a uh, catfish in your camper, though.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to shut this thing down. Brett, thanks again so much for being here with us on Bass Edge Radio. We will be back for a little closing segment with Aaron and I just after this short break. You
0: know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWear Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard Keel Protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do it yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick MegaWare Keel Guard.
1: The PowerPoll Charge Marine Power Management Station is the most advanced system of its kind available on the market. It does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system all in one compact unit. The Charge lets you run your boat's accessories the way you want to run them by allowing you to monitor and control your power usage through the PowerPoll app. It automatically devotes power to the batteries that need it the most for maximum efficiency. The new charge from PowerPole. Power where you need it, power how you need it, power when you need it. Be at home
0: with nature, with nature inspired art, decor and gifts by Wild Wings at WildWings.com. Explore art prints and canvas wraps of bass, trout, walleye, muskie and more by acclaimed artists like Mark Sasino.
3: I primarily paint underwater scenes of game fish and usually in a fishing situation going after prey or going after a lure or a fly. I get asked sometimes whether I like fishing better or artwork. It would be tough to give either of them up. I I can't really think of a good reason to give either up, so I'm going to stick with them.
0: Make your home, office, or cabin show off your passion for angling. Visit wildwings.com backslash BassEdge and sign up for an exclusive offer to BassEdge listeners of 10% off your next order. Give something special to your loved one and be at home with nature. Visit wildwings.com backslash BassEdge. That's wildwings.com backslash BassEdge to get 10% off your next order of nature-inspired art, decor, and gifts by Wild Wings.
2: Kurt, it was a little unique interview in the fact that, you know, sometimes we go more the how a person has done in an event or what's brought them success. This time we took a very deep dive, I think, into just the vibrating jig, the bladed jig, the jackhammer, so to speak. And I thought his explanations and, uh, you know, trailers to A to Z, I thought he did a fantastic job of covering that.
1: He did. Shame on us for not having Brett on, uh, you know, in the past, you know, slap on the wrist (laughs) for us. But yeah, man, fantastic interview. There's so many great anglers that lean on a vibrating jig. And, you know, you can go back into the 80s and 90s and talk about a flipping jig and an arky jig and guys that leaned on that style of bait to do really well in tournaments. And you could say that there's a group of anglers, a pretty large group, quite frankly, that lean on a vibrating jig for their tournament success. I mean, I could think of, you know, Todd Ott, Chris Baumgartner, obviously Brett Height, Brian Thrift, in his early days, you know, kind of one of his mainstays was, you know, a vibrating jig. You know, and I'm sure I'm missing a few other names off the top of my head, but uh, it just shows the power of the lure and the actual expertise that can come from utilizing it in all kinds of circumstances, and Brett really laid those out for us today. No doubt,
2: and uh, cannot wait to get out on the water and try some of those techniques and get going, but for episode 352... It is a wrap. Kurt, I look forward to seeing and being on the mic with you on June 1st, as I know yeah. that you will have another uh, packed episode of, of knowledge and how to raise our bass fishing IQ. But we want to thank all Bass Edge Nation for tuning us in and uh, look forward to seeing everybody in just a couple weeks right here on Bass Edge Radio. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. So long, everybody.
0: Edge is presented by MegaWare Keelguard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit bassedge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.